Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life. This is the last episode about dying and being allowed to come back, given the choice, and coming back and everything that happened during that time. The first three episodes were about the actual conversations, and the two just before this one were about stuff that happened after I came out of the coma. Today, uh, this is as leaving the hospital. So yesterday, uh, I got right up to where I'd had those five, five times, you know, having food tubes, uh, stuffed down my throat and how traumatic I found that. Maybe others find it easy. I don't know. And then I went through the the sort of context creation, <clears throat> exploring what I believed, which was that I'd never get out of here. I couldn't find anything out. I, I literally was, I was having a complete deep panic attack. I was worried that I was never going to get out of here. I thought, I, I'm I'm just never... I can't find anything out. All that stuff was, I, I describe it sort of glibly now, but it was visceral, gut-wrenching fear. And so the sudden intuition to use the process I'd been given that I wrote in the book of context about changing beliefs was given to me as inspiration. It was clear it was inspiration. It came like a lightning bolt out of the blue, and it felt it had all the hallmarks, pixie dust or whatever, that those kind of feelings have. <clears throat> so, Okay. I did that, and I thought, what could I believe? I could believe that I can, they're taking the best care of me and everything else. <clears throat> so I went into this deep meditation, and I committed to creating uh, miracles. Miracles. And I didn't know what they were going to be, but I'm coming from this new place of believing that everything is possible, everybody's doing the best they can, and I'm going to create from that place. <clears throat> now, before I tell you what happened... Again, you gotta make sure you understand the picture. I was being fed by a tube in my stomach. I had not had any food or liquid in my mouth for nearly a month. I was still in oxygen. And they, they were just deciding that they could take it off. So barely, you know, last day of oxygen, fed, like I said, by tubes, nothing in my mouth overly hungry, paranoid, hallucinations, conspiracies, and gut-wrenching fear. After I finished this meditation of creation, um, <clears throat> I had a, I, I collapsed back into my bed. It was exhausting. And... <clears throat> There's a funny little story here. This is the weekend of Canada Day in Canada, which is July 4th, essentially, for Canada. It's Independence Day, Confederation Day, I think they call it. So I couldn't. I'd been asking for two or three days because of the 
hating these tubes in my throat and because they kept having to do one every new day. <clears throat> when am I going to get to eat? What do I need to do to eat? And this was a Friday. And <clears throat> this, the, you know, the answer was, well, you can't eat. You haven't had a swallowing test. You haven't had anything in your mouth for a month, so you need to have a swallowing test. So I said, okay, well, what's that? And they said, well, we need to see if you can swallow without aspirating stuff in your lungs. And you got to remember, my lungs had just been subjected to a lethal infection and were literally destroyed. Uh, more than one senior doctor, cardiologist, not cardiologist, but pulmonologist and lung doctor said that it was the most horrifying pneumonia they'd ever seen. And I believed him because the stuff I was coughing up every single day with the aid of that horrific smelling stuff was copious, was foul, and everything else. And they kept giving it to me because they were encouraging me to clean out the lungs the best they could. <clears throat> so that that's where I was. Destroyed lungs. They obviously could take no risk that anything would be aspirated into the lungs in the condition they were in. They weren't working all that well, as evidenced by the oxygen. So, of course, I can't eat till I have a swallowing test to see if I can swallow. So, next question, when am I going to get the swallowing test? Uh, repeatedly, every time somebody came in. Well, you know, we're working on it. It has to be scheduled and everything. And it was clear they were not in a hurry to do it. And again, from the new point of view, it's because maybe they thought it wasn't really time. Not they're conspiring against me, they don't care, and they're doing a bad job. <clears throat> So on Friday, they said, well, we'll see if we can do it tomorrow. And then on Saturday, no, well, no, no, couldn't get it scheduled. Uh, we'll see if we can do it uh, Sunday. Uh, and no. And at the end of Sunday, I was frantic. Even though I was, you know, and I backed up a couple of days because this meditation happened on Tuesday. <clears throat> so I backed up a couple of days to tell you the story of the swallowing test. On Sunday, I was still in that state of ungodly panic. And so I said, when can I eat? I'm starving. I just need food. And then I, my joy came visit me every day, of course, and I had her bring some yogurt. So she snuck a little liquid food in there. And I didn't eat that on Sunday. I had it on Monday. <clears throat> but anyway, Sunday night, they promised. The lady promised. I put it in the nose. Absolutely tomorrow. Well, Monday was Canada Day, July 1st. And, you know, holiday, a lot of staff off, and obviously the hospital's functioning because 24-7, right? But Monday morning, nobody was even talking about it. And that was with this holy promise. So Monday, I gave up waiting in my frantic state <clears throat> and ate this yogurt <clears throat> and threw the thick container away. And then the nurse came in and found it, and she was not happy that I had sipped him. It was just a little bit of liquid and carefully sipped some yogurt. But anyway, so that was no, no swallowing test on Monday. And I said, but they promised. And I'm still in this paranoid and panic state. So Tuesday, and every day I'd been out for these short walks. And Tuesday was this long walk. And that Tuesday's when the lightning bolt came Tuesday morning. You're going to get out, uh, you know, you're going to get out, but they're take, they will be taking care of you, or at least you could believe that. And what would happen? Will you change your whole outlook? And so I became immediately positive. I'm going to believe that they're doing good. I choose to act as if I believe this new thing. <clears throat> so I got back from the, the walk. I was exhausted, collapsed in bed, went into this deep meditation. 
And it's about 11 or 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I think. 15 or 20 minutes after I got done with this meditation from following the book of context process, this divine gift that was given, three nurses walked in the room, <clears throat> like within 20 minutes. And one of them started um, <clears throat> asking me questions and they took all my vitals and everything and they were clearly going to start moving me. And I thought, oh, wow. Where are we going? Oh, we're going down to do the swallowing test. No notice, no advice of scheduling, nothing. We're going down to do the swallowing test. And at this point, I'm in absolute, utter shock. I had just finished a half hour before with this powerful experience, changing the language of my beliefs, changing not because I believed anything else, because I spent a month in this horror And I chose to explore what I could believe, following precisely the book of context, this divine process. <clears throat> so I was so excited. They, they took me downstairs and, uh, on, you know, wheeled me downstairs. And I waited for a while, someone in front of me to do one procedure or another. I don't know. And so I waited for a while. And then they brought me in and I was in good spirits. One, I changed my attitude. So this is demonstration of that your attitude is everything. I simply started believing they were doing the best they could. And then on top of that, these miracles started happen happening and they didn't stop. <clears throat> so they hooked me up and what a swallowing test is, is they give you some radioactive stuff in food so they can track it and they put an x-ray right here by your neck and, and you can see your own throat stuff on this monitor. And then they're going to see how each of the swallowing things work. So they gave me several different things, some solid and little liquid and then this and then that. And the worst one was a, a dry cracker, <clears throat> you know, the worst possibility of aspiration, right? And that was kind of the pinnacle of stuff. So I chewed this dry cracker up and swallowed it and no aspiration into the lungs, no danger and everything else. So they said, okay, well, looks like you passed. <clears throat> so... It might have been 1 o'clock, or maybe a little later, 1.30. And I was excited. And I said, how long does it take to get the, the test results back up to the room? Because I'm looking forward to hospital dinner. You know, I mean, I don't know if anybody is looking forward to hospital food. There I was dying to have hospital food. Because <laughs> I hadn't had anything, like I said, in a month. And oh, what I didn't tell you is the night before... Uh, Monday night before Tuesday, I'd caught the feeding tube on something during during the night. I'd moved my hand and caught it and had pulled it partway out. And I was just beside myself. It was 3.30 or 4 in the morning. I didn't know what to do. And so in frustration, I pulled it all the way out, out my nose, out my throat, threw it across the room in the sink. So Tuesday morning when they came in and found that, the nurse was, again, not impressed. <laughs> I told her what had happened. I didn't really know what to do, but she, I don't think she believed me. I think she believed I just took it out. Anyway, <clears throat> so they said, when I said, how, how, how long does it take to get up the room? Well, you, you can take it with you. So 
I waited for 15 or 20 minutes for the orderlies to come to wheel me, clutching the results of the test in my hand. I can't wait to get up, give it to them and say, I get food, dinner tonight, right? <clears throat> so that was the first of several. The attitude change was miraculous. The way it affected me viscerally, physically, spiritually, everything. And then the swallowing test manifested instantly without any scheduling or anything. Done. I passed it. Done. <clears throat> A half hour or an hour later, maybe it was 2.30 or 3, maybe 3.30 in the afternoon, um, <clears throat> a doctor came in, and he uh, was a, uh, I don't know what nationality, but I, well, either Indian or Pakistani or, or one of those, and he had a bit of an accent, and he was very friendly and jovial, and he was asking me how I'm doing, and... <clears throat> He said, well, well, when, when, all right, so let's, when, when do you, you know, how long till you plan to, or how, how, when would you like to get out of here? I think he said in different language, when would you like to leave? And so I looked at him and I said, yester minute. And he looked at me, yester minute. And I thought, <laughs> I made that word up, right? Well, you know, yesterday, yester hour, yester minute. And, uh, uh, you know, it took a few seconds and then, uh, and he dropped and he burst into laughter and it was funny. He asked me some questions and the, how far I had gone on the furthest walk that I'd done and everything else. And I told him, I just passed the swallowing test and I get hospital dinner. And I was thinking, finally, they're going to give me some kind of a plan about how many weeks it's going to be for rehab to, to get me out of here. Because every day the physical therapist had come in and had me you know, walk a little. And I told you I was finally making a circuit around the nurse station. And then I went outside the ICU and then the occupational therapist, and they'd ask me about my house and if I had stairs and where I worked and all of the things to, so they could plan. And they told me so we can plan what we still need to do. And so I was expecting uh, for finally to get maybe later that day or maybe the next day, Wednesday, some information about what the plan was for the next three, four weeks, based on everything I'd heard them say, not to me, but around me, it was probably, I was looking at three or four weeks of recovery <clears throat> there in the hospital before I got out. <clears throat> so I answered all the questions, and <clears throat> then about 15 more minutes later, uh, a, big, a big fellow came in, and uh, I'd recognize him. He was a physical therapist. I'd seen him once before. And they'd rotated during all of my time in both the ICU and here. So I'd seen several, but I'd seen this guy a couple of times. And I, it was not a surprise. It was a, li it was a little of a surprise because I'd already had that big, long walk. And so I'm like, oh, well, hi, how are you? He said, yeah, we need to go for a walk. <clears throat> I already did a walk. Yeah, but we need to do the stair test. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you have stairs where you live, right? Yes. Well, we need to w walk up some stairs. And I was absolutely horrified because the walking that I'd done was clutching a walker and gasping for breath because of destroyed lungs. And I'm going to have to climb some stairs. So uh, <clears throat> I, I said, uh, okay. That all other was going on in my mind. So we went out, me and my walker, and then we went to the, the this door, opened the door, and there was this, you know, hospital, industrial staircase, really wide, metal stairs. And he looked at me and he said, okay, climb 10 stairs. 
And I stood there with my mouth open in disbelief, and I looked at him and I said, uh, okay, does it matter how I do it? <clears throat> I said, no. Because I was picturing myself like literally clutching the stair railing, dragging myself upstairs. So I went, left the walker, and clutched the railing and managed to get up 10 stairs and then rested and then came down 10 stairs. Okay, great. Went back to the room and uh, collapsed back into bed. And about another 15 minutes later, so by now it's about four, uh, the three nurses came back in again. This time, instead of moving me around and taking vitals, they started... picking up my stuff. And I thought, oh, they're going to move me. Uh, because all this time I'd been in a private room because of isolation. <laughs> I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to be in a regular room because I need the private room for somebody else. And they were packing, <clears throat> packing my stuff in bags. And I said, oh, uh, what, are, what are we doing? And the one nurse turned and looked at me and said, oh, you're going home. And my heart stopped, figuratively this time. I thought, this can't be. I barely have had the, the required amount of clean blood. They were doing blood tests every day because of the lethality of the bacteria. I had to have a negative test so many days in a row, three days in a row, I think. <clears throat> and I'd had one and then a not one and then and I'd been keeping track of that, and I had gotten three days. And that's why I thought they were going to move me to a, maybe a semi-private. And there was no way on earth <laughs> I felt like, you know, uh, that anything that had been done that needed to happen. But God had other ideas. And in, a, in what I know now to be a, a miraculous evidence of the framework that I was given, she looked at me and said, you're going home. And I didn't even know what to say. And so I gathered myself and I said, oh, okay. And not even knowing what to say. And so somehow through the meditation and the application of that process, I had manifested this miracle. So I called Joy <clears throat> and she was somewhere else running errands. And I said, you need to be at the hospital entrance in 20 minutes. And she said, okay, why? I'm going home. What? I'm, I'm going home. You can't. What? They said we're going home. She couldn't believe it either. <clears throat> they couldn't find a wheelchair that worked, so they brought a a a busted wheelchair that one of the foot flaps wasn't working. And <clears throat> true to the word, in 20 minutes, I was at the hospital entrance in a busted wheelchair with all my bags in my hand, having manifested a miracle of discharge. Impossible. Joy drove up a few minutes later and helped me <clears throat> in the car. 
And there was someone there also, so that we got in the car. <clears throat> and then Joy and I wept. I told her what had happened. We prayed. And it was the most incredible feeling. Because I knew that even though there was no way, from a medical point of view, I was finished with all the stuff, that that would be provided for. That I would be cared for spiritually and physically. And the manifestation of the release was a miracle provided to demonstrate to me the truth and validity of the things that had happened before and the power of the book of context framework for changing beliefs. I never got that hospital dinner. That's how fast everything happened. I missed lunch because of the swallowing test and I never had the dinner. The first piece of food I had was an A&W burger on the way home. We got home and I climbed the stairs barely to, to bed and went to bed. And I was blessed over the next weeks to recover they told me they told me when I left the hospital, I asked him, will I ever get my lungs back? And the doctor said, two years to never because of the damage. And it was very difficult to even walk still. But I had learned to walk and walk with a walker. So I had a, you know, all the gear. <clears throat> and we ordered a cane and you know, all that kind of stuff, which I quickly got past. So my 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 growth, my recovery was quick. And the, the last uh, piece that's really interesting about this is the next morning, or maybe it was two or three days later, <clears throat> I got up in the morning and still was very shaky on my feet. But I walked to the bathroom without a walker, huffing and puffing. So even a few steps was huffing and puffing because of the lungs. But anyway, after that, I thought, you know, <clears throat> I realized I looked like a survivor of a concentration camp. I'd lost 35 pounds. And was just emaciated. <clears throat> so I, I thought, well, you know, <clears throat> I've always been in reasonable shape. <clears throat> I realize I'm totally scarecrow now, but I wonder if I can do any push-ups. Because I've always been able at any time in my life, no matter what shape I was in, to hit the floor and do 40 push-ups. So <clears throat> I got on the floor and laid down <clears throat> and got ready to do a push-up and tried and couldn't get my nose out of the carpet. And realized I am totally physically flatlined. I'm going to have to do everything all over again. <clears throat> okay. So then I went into meditation after I got back in bed. And prayer and meditation, which are kind of mixed for me. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, I had this miracle getting out of the hospital. You know, and I've been I'm cared for. My, my body is is responding and I'm okay. And that was miraculous. <clears throat> I wonder if I can have a miraculous event with respect to my physical body, this healing. Can I, you know, get stronger, faster? Can all that happen during my meditation and prayer? And <clears throat> the answer came immediately. There was a feeling in my heart and it felt like a voice, but feeling clearly in a voice in my mind that said, no, you're going to have to do this the hard way. 
And it wasn't vindictive or negative. It was to saying, you have seen the miracle. You know, without a doubt, life and death, the truth of what you've seen, of what you've heard, and the miraculous things that have happened so far. <clears throat> but you're going to have to do this the hard way. And I chuckled a little bit, and I said, yeah, I kind of figured to myself. And so since that time, <clears throat> it's been four years now. Four years, uh, it is uh, September 2022 as I record this. So four years and two months, July. Since then, I've been way back up past 40 push-ups, and I can run and walk, and uh, the two years to never is accurate. It's been four years, and I still don't have my lungs all the way back, even though I exercise quite a bit. I, uh, you know, huff and puff more than I want to, and maybe it'll come back, and maybe never will be true. But here's what I know. <clears throat> my visits with God were real. We are all divine beings. We have gifts and talents. We are loved beyond measure. We have a mission and purpose in life, and all the help we need is available. Sometimes it comes miraculously and sometimes not. I had a text from a client this morning that just made me weep because that the text, what he said was, You're, I'm turning into a person that a few months ago I wouldn't even recognize. And he meant it a positive way. The opportunity for us all to live into our divine heritage, to create that ultimate life, to be everything we want to be is available to you right here, right now. And I share this with you because it's true. I know it's true. I feel it. I have experienced it. And I'm not more important than you are. I'm not. I can tell you for sure, no matter what, if you choose to do the work, get the help you need, like I had to, and never give up, you can have anything you want. You can create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. That life that we call your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet